0: State knocks off a ranked Kentucky team and did it in impressive fashion. Both sides of the ball, offense, defense. Special teams, another story, probably cover a little bit of all of that. In this week's Better Than Average podcast wrap-up of the game from the weekend, presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Better than average. You play football. Football. Oh, no. Juggernaut of a podcast better than average like a radio show that's not on the radio coach it's a great day for you huh yeah it's better than average i'll tell you that (laughs) kentucky is a pretty good football team they really are and state just absolutely took them to the woodshed in this ball game the other night and the thing is too what's even more impressive is it wasn't four quarters of it it was three quarters of it of taking them to the woodshed and that was enough to to run off a 31 to 17 win after Kentucky had everything go its way in the first quarter, was up 10 to nothing after the first quarter, and and just seemed to be like on their way to maybe being in control. And State turned it on a dime and absolutely dominated the ball game for the remaining three quarters. Uh, we'll talk about it here. The only negative was special teams, uh, big time positives offense, defense, and I'll go over some of that with you. In this edition, episode of the uh, Better Than Average podcast. This podcast is presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Visit them online at mslandbank.com. They are great people. And anything land related in North Mississippi, whether it's, you know, you're a farmer, big operation, small operation, anything farmland related, that's who you're going to want to deal with. Not just farming, though. If if it's recreational property, hunting, fishing, if it's a place to build a home, anything like that, trust me, that's where you're going to want to go. Great people at the Mississippi Land Bank branch offices all over the northern part of the state, and you can find them online at mslandbank.com. I'm going to go over you know the defensive effort coming out of this win, uh, the offensive effort. Special teams, really there's, you know, it's, it is what it is. It was not very special. It was, you know, pretty poor across the board in, in every way. Special teams, just all in all has got to be better. Coverage has to be better. Kickoffs didn't reach the end zone. The punting was atrocious in the ball game, which contributed to a bad cover on the punt. You had a missed field goal in there and didn't make one later, but, yeah, overall, special teams has has just got to find a way to be better and to execute what they're trying to do uh, more consistently. Outside of that, though, state was um, just really good the other night. Like I say, I mean, Kentucky is good. And, and, you know, it's not a a fluke at all. Some of their wins this year. And I know now they've got back-to-back losses against good teams both on the road, and that kind of shows you how tough it is in the SEC. But Kentucky is a good team, not by any stretch a great team. But they're a good team. They're well-coached. They're solid. They're physical. They have depth on their lines. You know, their quarterback have been efficient all year long. Um, you know, maybe not the fastest team you'll play, but they're a good team. And State just absolutely rolled them up for three quarters and, and rolled them right out of the building. And they'd probably tell you the same thing. So let's start with the the first big point to me is holding Kentucky to sixty-six yards rushing as a team in the game. It's, you know, contributed by the fact that, you know, state created turnovers to end their possessions. Two, I think, I think, yeah, I think two of their turnovers came on first down plays. So you just um You know, you're able to stop drives and then stop one before it even got started. uh, Or maybe two of them. I don't remember the exact situation, though one of them was the first play of a drive. And that and State offensively was so efficient with Will Rogers that it contributed to Kentucky only running 48 plays on offense. just And a season low in total yardage, right? So you run so few plays, contributing factors are In the plays you did run, you turned it over four times, Kentucky and State's offense on the other side was just staying on the field and would not leave the playing surface. It just kept on completing passes, right? So it was this snowball effect for the Kentucky offense. They couldn't stay out there. They couldn't get out there because their defense couldn't get off the field. You ran very few plays, and the plays you did run weren't that successful, right? So you get these totals. But that's a huge reason why State not only won the game, but – Turn the momentum of the game after the first quarter. You know, even though they only had one offensive touchdown, it came late. The 10 0 lead wasn't Kentucky's offense going out and putting up points. Still, they had the momentum, right? So you have to consider that. All right. So, all that said, you hold them to 66 yards rushing on 20 carries as a team. Uh, Eight carries for Chris Rodriguez, 34 yards. He's your leading rusher. Didn't start the game at running back for whatever reason, but he's their guy. He had the one big play in the run game on the night, but eight carries, 34 yards, a 4.3-yard average. And this is a guy who, you know, you look over the course of his season, he he ran for 100 yards in the season opener. He had 200 yards rushing in week two against Missouri. Uh, he had 144 yards against South Carolina. He was at 99 yards, so almost had a 100-yard game against Florida, and he had 147 against LSU. Um, So, you know, it's a guy who's good, and he's had blocking up front. He's been, you know, everything, all of their offense has gone through him. State holds him to 34 yards on eight carries. 34 yards on eight carries, one of his carries went for 15. So he got almost half his yards on one carry. It's just incredible what State did against Kentucky's run game, and State was just more physical on the defensive front, their whole front. So not just the three down, but linebackers playing on the other side and pressuring the QB. It was just a heck of a game plan. But the biggest thing is State was just more physical in the ball game. I mentioned that 15-yard run for Rodriguez. That was Kentucky's only rush all night that went for more uh, more than 10 yards. 10 or more yards. That was the only one, a 15-yarder. I think that was maybe in the first quarter by Chris Rodriguez. Just shows you the job they did. So you go, well, you run Kentucky only, ran 48 plays, turned it over four times, which contributed to that. State's offense was so efficient, contributed to them not getting to run a lot of plays. So what did they do in the plays they ran? Well, if you were to divide them up, here's just some – you know, kind of taking a, out a knife and dividing up the plays they did run. It gives you a little bit of a clue of state's game plan against their run and how things didn't work for Kentucky. All right. Kentucky ran 22 first down plays, meaning whether it's to start a drive or they've converted throughout the night, they ran plays on first down 22 times. Okay. Of those 22 first-down plays, Kentucky ran it eight times and threw it uh, 14 times. So the, the large majority of their play call selection when they had a first down was to throw it. They wanted to be a first-down throw team. So that tells me right there that coming in from a game plan standpoint, and certainly as the game went on it had something to do with it, but it also tells me that coming in as a game plan thing, Kentucky had watched State on film and already knew what we knew, and that is State plays the run really well. Okay, And we've got to get ahead of the chains on these guys, and we can't come out here and be a first down run team because they're going to have us in second and ten all night. That's why they ran. That's why they threw the ball almost twice as much as they ran it on first down. is to tr- try to get completions to get ahead of the chains. And like I told you, they had two first down interceptions uh, in in the night. All right. So on first downs, when they did run the ball on first down, they ran it eight times for twenty six yards. That'd be an average of three point three. It's not bad. Um, you know, you could you could live with that, but It just, you know, looking at the play selection on first down tells me that they watched film and kind of had it in their head already that they sort of knew what was coming a little bit. And I would bet that some of their guys, some of their coaches, and maybe even some of their fans who are looking at that stat might even be questioning it uh, after losing the way they did and State's defense having the success that they did. Um, And that's what happens. Everybody questions stuff like that when you lose. And three turnovers. Three of their four turnovers came on first down plays. One I know for sure to start the drive. It might have been two actually, but you have to go back and look at that. You know, but those are important. Then skip second down for Kentucky's offense and look at third down. Third down plays for Kentucky's offense. They were six of ten on third downs in the ball game. 6 of 10, you go 60%, 6 of 10 on third down, that's not bad, right? But you're considering that they also had four turnovers and they only ran 48 plays, and that's why you can win a game and hold a team to one touchdown even though they go 60% on third down. But look at the play selection there. Okay, They they were in a lot of third and shorts. Uh, the actual numbers here, I'll give them to you. So 6 of 10, so 10 third down attempts. Right? Ten third down attempts. But four of those were third and shorts, between one and four yards. Like you just gotta get a yard or two. You know, you'll remember that. There was like a third and one, and there was another third and one late. So they went three out of four on the third and shorts. And only twice in the game did they have a third and really long, third and nine or more yards. They went one out of two on those. So Four of the short variety, two of the long variety. That means they would have had four third down attempts, and the medium yardage from anywhere from five to eight yards on third downs. That's how all that. I know it's a lot of numbers, but those of y'all that are good with numbers will be able to consume that and kind of get that. You know, most of their, well, eight of their ten third down attempts, they needed eight or fewer yards to convert it, okay? Their play selection, out of those 10 third down attempts, they threw it seven times. Again, Okay, again, you think about you're stopping their run, but they came in electing with their play calling, you know, choosing to throw it a majority of the time on first down and throw it a majority of the time on third down. So I don't know if it was the experience of what happened to him at Georgia where Georgia shut their run game down and Levis kept him from getting embarrassed. He went like 32 of 42 in that game. If it was that experience and now going on the road playing another defense that's good against the run or or if it was just matchups or what. But Kentucky's coaches obviously came into the game knowing we're going to throw the ball. And so on first down they threw it a bunch and on third down they threw it a majority of the time. Um, three of their four third down conversions did move the chains. And when you look at that, they, when they had, um, third and short, they ran the ball every time on third and short and converted it every time they, they ran it. You know, so third and had three runs on third down for nine yards So they just weren't getting chunk plays, like I told you, especially in the run game. They had one rush that went for 15 yards. It was the only one that went over 10 the whole night. Defense, State's defense was just so much more physical than Kentucky. Uh, Tackle, they didn't miss tackles in the run game. And they put the game on the quarterback, and Kentucky had come into the game knowing the game was going to be on the quarterback. And it shows you the job they did to force him into those mistakes. Three turnovers and an incompletion late in the fourth quarter. Uh, That was big to get off the field at eight minutes, and I guess Kentucky never even got the ball back after that. Um, So that was huge. All right, flip it over now to Will Rogers Knight at quarterback. (laughs) Will's numbers obviously just jump off the page I would hadn't seen it yet I would imagine he'll be the SEC player of the week set an SEC completion record completion percentage record uh, he's a, he's the first guy in the history of the league to have more than 30 attempts and go 92 percent like that so 36 of 39. 344 yards, 92% completion. A touchdown did not turn it over. Now, he did have one throw. It should have been a pick. He'll tell you that. Uh, But sometimes when you've got a little mojo going, you know, a little having a good night, they drop the ball. You know, it can work the other way, too. When you're snake bit, you don't have it. You can make a good throw. It gets tipped, and they pick it off. You know, it goes both ways. But he did have one throw that should have been picked, but he had a bunch of other throws that, even if that had happened that would have made up for that i feel like so uh just an incredible night for him throwing the ball i'm looking at the finishing stretch you know so he started out 6 for his first 8 in there after that after his first eight pass attempts he goes 30 for 31 he was 30 for his last 31 for 279 yards, and I'm telling you, people are not – anybody that's ever played will tell you it's not an exaggeration to say, listen, it's hard to go 30 for 31 in practice when you're not even practicing against the defense. And you got to throw the ball up the field and connect on deep throws and all this stuff. I mean, it's just – and, yeah, there's a lot of – you know, a few screens and, and a lot of underneath throws built into that, but it's just incredible. Really, to ha- to have a night where you're that efficient. Anybody's played quarterback, I will tell you that 92% completion in practice with tackling dummies sitting out there. That that's hard. Much less than a ball game against a top 15 team. Guys moving around and game planning for you, and I. It's just I've never. We have never seen anything like it. Literally, it's never happened before in the SEC. It's just incredible. So you look at that finishing stretch. So you, look at look at his game in in three stretches, okay? The opening stretch, six out of his first eight. Okay, you go, all right, you know, we've seen that before. Get off to a fast start, right? Six out of his first eight, whatever that percentage is. So the first stretch, number one, six out of his first eight. Then he goes on a run of 15 straight. He goes 15 for 15 over the next stretch there for 134 yards before he threw his next incompletion, which was at the, well, in the in the drive that they started the second half. It was a part of the drive where he started the second half there with the football. He came back and threw his third incompletion of the ball game. And then look at the last stretch. He goes, again, 15 for 15 to finish the ball game. And in that last 15-for-15 stretch, 145 yards and a touchdown. So he goes six for eight, then 15 for his next 16, and then finishes 15 for his last 15. He was sacked two times. Those were both early. Uh, So it's just really incredible what he was able to do. When you look – Kentucky tried a little bit of everything. They did give some man. You know, you could find an obvious man-to-man example when he threw the touchdown to Ra Ra Thomas uh, there in the second half. That was a man deal. They gave him some man. He took it. They gave him some man. He got two big uh, pass interferences in the second half, uh, going up the field, taking those matchups. Uh, they gave him a ton of zone. You know, look at those catches for Austin Williams against the zone, for Jaden Wally. In the middle of the field against the zone. He even dropped a couple in the bucket uh, on the sideline against zone stuff. One to, um, well, a couple to poke, but I'm you know, thinking um, Scooby, you know, caught one again where he's tiptoeing the sideline over there. And, and you know, it was really a, Christian Ford, when I say Scooby, sorry, it's his nickname. Uh, Christian Ford, he had that one catch. It was for 17, a zone deal where he drops it in. Defender starts chasing him. You know, he had one where he hits Wally right over a defender. And that was impressive because he came back to dropping it over that defender with tight coverage in zone after almost getting one picked off on the same look and same throw. And he just comes right back to it and completes it, you know. So it was just uh, really an impressive impressive night for him. I don't know what else to say about it, but when a guy is that efficient, it it wears down that defense. Just wears them down. Yeah, you know, the pass rush, it gets so worn down and tired. We started seeing it commenting and on it in the second half and third quarter you can see them they're already tired coming out of the locker room on Kentucky's defensive front, which contributes to being able to get a little more going in your run game at times and so that's my next point, running backs. All right, I'll talk running backs right here and then a little bit about Jet Johnson and a couple other things, and I'll wrap it up. I thought Jaquavius Marks was the toughest individual on the football field. And there were some tough ones, and a lot of guys look tough when they're winning, okay? But let me tell you something. I don't know if I've ever seen a running back dish out and absorb more contact and more physicality. Dish out and take it as Jaquavius marks did in that ball game. finishing run, splitting two defenders, running over a guy, uh, taking a lick, popping right back up and just continuing to go. I, I, he was Woody marks was the toughest guy on a football field. And I have so much appreciation for it. And, I mean, honestly, Dylan Johnson's right there with him, both those guys. You know, and Dylan had a great game in getting the ball with some timing out there on the underneath flat as opposed to late where he's going to catch it and get popped. He's getting it with some timing and some rhythm from Will where there's more room and more separation between he and the defender, and he'd make those guys miss out on the edge. Just put on a move, and they never get a hand on him. Kentucky's not been a great tackling team in their secondary all year. And, man, State's receivers, but especially those running backs, really exploited that in the game. And you could also see in the game plan for State coming in, it was when you get dropped, don't hesitate to come down to those backs on the sideline because we want that one-on-one matchup. It's like an extended handoff throw. We want that one-on-one matchup with Marks, and Johnson against their corners, against their safeties, occasionally the linebacker, because if you get it to them with room, they're going to make a miss. You've seen it on film, and that was part of State's game plan, and it worked. It was the same you know, with their receivers. State's receivers on the outside made a miss tackle. There's a couple of times where you just raise up, throw it to them, make three yards, convert the first down, and keep going, because you knew you were either going to run through the tackle or run past it enough to get those extra yards. But you know, back to the running backs – Nobody touched the football – I mean, outside of Will Rogers taking snaps on 74 total plays, nobody else got their hands on the football more than Joquavius Marks did. He led the team in numbers of catches. He led the team in carries. The offense went through number seven, Woody Marks, and he had 20 carries for 58 yards. His longest run was 10. That's an average of three yards a carry. He had the touchdown, but he had two touchdowns called back. One of them – I feel like, erroneously, when they called Cam Jones for a holding and it was the official under the goalpost about 20 yards away. But regardless, 20 carries, 58 yards a touchdown, but then he had the nine catches for 57 and averaged over six yards on those um, and a long catch of 14 and just kept on popping up it, kept on popping up. So he's 29 touches for 115 yards of offense and a touchdown I had two called back. It was just a heck of a night for him. I thought Dylan Johnson was outstanding. You know, 11 carries, 41 yards, two TDs. He had the longest rush on the night, and that was a 12-yarder, but he also averaged almost four yards per carry, so he had a better average on the times when he did carry the ball. And his four catches for 30 yards were really big. I mentioned making guys miss. And the thing is, they only targeted him four times, and he caught all four. Several guys had a, you know, receivers had a target and completion rate of 100 because of the efficiency of Will Rogers in the game. But I thought the running backs were, you know, we gave the star of the game to Jaquavius Marks, and I, I thought without question he deserved it. Toughest guy on the field, no question about it. And when you earn, I'll tell you this, going forward, when you put that on film and you earn that moniker of the tough guy, you know, defenses are coming for you. Um, No question. I mean, look, Arkansas is going to watch the film and watch Mark's play and go, hey, boys, of all the guys on their team, you got to hit and tackle and defend number seven. I guarantee you they'll put a target on his back, and it's something you earn when you put that on film, and he certainly has put it on film uh, for sure for State. Jet Johnson, I thought, had a nice ball game, special teams and on defense. Now, lots of guys on defense played well, but Jet was your leading tackler with nine, five of those solo. There were several times where he's hitting guys at or just behind the line of scrimmage. There was a couple of carries where he hung on and got some help. I believe one or two of those – well, I think two of those tackles were special teams tackles for him too, um, covering kicks. Now, on the punt, he did miss a tackle on the punt return – by the nature of the line drive, the pump was so poor. Line drive out, kicking your coverage. You had no hang time at all. It made it hard on the cover guys because they they hadn't closed that distance between them and the returner. You know, so it's he's diving at his feet as opposed to having a chance to hit him. Um, but I thought Jet was really good and a leader for you on defense. Forbes seemed to play banged up some, but was outstanding. Second leading tackler had a pass breakup uh, in the ball game. After Emerson got ejected, for Sean Preston to make that play on the ball down the field on the very next play and get an interception was huge for the energy of the team, the energy of the stadium after something really potentially bad had happened to you, and that is getting Emerson ejected and not getting to play with your best, most experienced corner the rest of the way. Uh, Jalen Green's interception was phenomenal. Cameron Young, Cam Young, he was in the right place when Tyrus Wheat drops in coverage, reads a quarterback's eyes, puts his hand up, bats a slant, and hits it to a guy. So those are you three picks. There were lots of guys who contributed. And I certainly felt like Jet Johnson was uh, had a, had a heck of a ball game for State defensively. You know, back to the Emerson deal too. There was this was a game. And I'm getting ready to wrap it up here. This was a game that was, without question, a next man up type of game for State. And I think as a team, they probably learned a valuable, valuable lesson in winning a game like this without some key players. Emerson gets a target. He's ejected early on. He only played like two, three plays, whatever it was. And you go and hold them to one touchdown the rest of the ball game without Emerson on the field. Did Cameron Richardson goes in and plays really well, tackled, did his job. You know, to learn that as a young team, sometimes if it goes the other way on you, you can become gun shy about having to play without certain key players. But this is one you know, every team preaches it. This one too about next man up. You know, some guys are going to get hurt, some guys are going to be out, and whoever's your you're "quote unquote" backup, you're in the depth. You're there for a reason. It's because we know we can depend on you if we call on you to play, and you get then you got to go perform. And and you learn that. Okay, on the offensive line, you play without uh, Donald Bill Johnson. You're starting right guard. I don't know all the details was told it may be COVID-related, whatever. But regardless, he wasn't there. Some of your depth guys weren't there on the offensive line too. But um, he's there. He uh, He's not there. And Cole Smith steps right in and played outstanding. I think Cole maybe had one penalty later in the game. But run and pass block, Cole played an outstanding ball game. You know, And you learn when the next guy has to step up and do the job – he can do it. We can do it. We can still go win if we don't have every one of our, you know, quote-unquote starters. I mean, it's a really it's really important to not just believe what your coaches are saying about next man up if somebody goes down or has to be out. It's not only important to kind of sort of think it and trust them. It's really important to have the experience of winning without some guys so that it sort of gets just branded as a part of your identity of, hey, we can all win together. We don't have to have all of our first guys. If somebody gets hurt, next man up, we still will to go win the ball game. You know, it's important to have the experience and go through it. And they've now had that. And for that reason and many more, and I'll wrap it up with this, this was a grow-up game for this team and this program. Now, how that manifests going forward, I don't know, and you're about to hit the road for two weeks in two places that are really hard to play against really good football teams. And we'll see how it manifests. But I really do believe this was a grow-up game for the team, for certain players, for the program as a whole, making a next step. Because you were down 10 to nothing. That first quarter had gone decidedly against you. Outside of defense getting stopped, they put a special team's TD up. They get a field goal. They're up 10-0 at your place. It's a physical team that has been a ball control, you know, all this stuff. And this team did what their coaches have been preaching to them for months and now over a year, and that is play the next play. Don't worry about the last one. When it's over, just drop it and go execute the next play. Have a next play mentality. And they did that and dominated the last three quarters of the ball game. put up 14 points in the – Uh, Second quarter of the ball game, got a halftime lead, and then went and just ran away with it in the third quarter. Um, The next man up part, you know, playing without certain guys. That's a grow-up type of experience. The consistency on offense, okay, to really step out there against a good defense and totally keep them off balance. Run and pass was outstanding to – Put it on film and go beat somebody when they're going to do a good job defending your pass in the red zone. Well, we'll just run it in, <laughs> okay? We get out in red zone. You know, Arkansas is going to watch this film now, and other teams will going forward, and they're going to say, okay, we need to be mindful of how we line up and and on the goal line and in the red zone because we've got to commit some people to the box because they can run it in the end zone, and they did it three times against Kentucky. Okay. And Arkansas may watch it and go, you know what, we're not quite as good in our front seven as Kentucky is, and they just ran it down their throat in the red zone. We gotta put people in the box. Well, if they do that, then what do you get? Then you get one on one with Makai Polk. You get one on one with Malik Heath, you get one on one with Tulu, you get one on one with Austin, you know, you get one on one with Wally. And, and which is how you that's how you beat AM, right? Because you went in there and they gave you one on one on the goal line and in the scoring area and you beat them throwing the ball. Okay, so Kentucky and some of these other teams adjust it and start zoning you down in the red zone and on the goal line and now Kentucky's had it run into the end zone three times, you know, so it's just a grow up game offensively and and defensively to physically whip somebody the way they did Kentucky is certainly a grow up moment and it sends a very loud message. You know, Arkansas has been a very very physical team running the ball offensively and they are different to defend against their run because their runs centers around the quarterback. It's almost like defending Kentucky's run game you got to defend 10 guys for the most part, not 11 because the quarterback's handing it off or pitching it. He's a part of it, sometimes he's reading it and every that's why every now and then he'd reel off an important run 2 3 times a game. But most running plays against Kentucky, you're defending 10 guys. Well, against Arkansas, you're definitely defending 11 on every play because what they would prefer is for that quarterback to be running the ball. And so it's a different challenge, and they've been very physical. See, but Arkansas, they're confident. Players are confident. Coaches are confident. They'll build up their confidence going in the game. But the reality is you could go either way because State showed you if they can step in there and physically manhandle a team like Kentucky in, on the light of scrimmage, they're capable of doing the same against Arkansas. It's just a matter of do you do it or not. So it sends a very loud message. I think it's a grow-up moment. It's a buy-in moment. And then I think the confidence you take as a state fan is that Mike Leach has been around. He's old enough, been coaching long enough. He's seen all this before and probably has a really good, clear idea of how to now keep pushing it to keep going. I think some young coaches get like this and they think, okay, we've now got this in the sweet spot. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. I don't think you're going to get that from Mike Leeds because the team is nowhere near where he wants it. And I think he's been through this before and knows how to now start pushing for that next step. And we'll see how how quickly they make that, whether it's this year or next, and hopefully it's this year. All right, thanks for tuning in. That's the Better Than Average podcast. I guess this is episode 20 of the season, presented by Mississippi Land Bank, and I'll see you on the next one.